Blog Talk Radio. Listening to Blacktopia presents Roundtable Talk Radio, the biggest colored show on earth, with your host Miss Ray, and I'm some guy named Jay. Blacktopia Roundtable Talk Radio is the number one live stream dedicated to bringing Black folks together from all walks of life, teaching the importance of economic empowerment for our people, and showcasing the talents and abilities of Black people across the globe. This is also the number one blog talk radio show that I believe is not being hosted by a convicted felon or conspiracy theorist wacko or closet lesbian. But, hey, we're going to put on a great show just like all those people, too. So listen up. Tonight is our Real Life Orange is the New Black special. Yes, the real-life version. 
We are opening up the phone lines after the interview, so give us a call. If you're streaming from an app or a website or something like that, give us a call at 929-477-3872 and then press 1. Our guest is Tracy June, who spent 10 years in federal prison. She will talk about her experience and how she bounced back from it, you know, and, and let everybody know about what she experienced and all that. And uh, But before we get into all that, I just want to let you know you can check us out at www.blacktopia.org. And you can also download and install the Blacktopia mobile app on iTunes, Amazon, uh, iTunes and Amazon.com. Oh, yes. I want to give a shout-out to the ABC2, A Better Chance, A Better Community Foundation. Get more information and updates on the organization and the community events at the community farm by visiting www.abc2foundation.blogspot.com. Also want to give a shout-out to R&B singer Nakia for her album, No Fairy Tale. It's available now on iTunes, Amazon, and everywhere music is being sold digitally. So definitely get that. All right. Let me go on ahead and bring on the host, and then we're going to bring on the guest, and we're going to bring on the calls, and they got questions. So let's go on ahead and do that right now. Miss Ray. That is I. Hello, everyone. Hello, <laughs> Yes. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yes, yes. You ready for the show? I'm ready for a fantastic show. I know yeah. we're going to give it to each other. I know, we, I know it. Yes, I, yes. Uh, yeah, you sound a little low, too. I just want to let you know. I sound uh, low. I sound low. Hold on. How about now? Yeah. A little better? Yes, okay. that's a lot better. Okay. Yes. I know what I have to do. All right. Definitely, definitely. Let's go on ahead and bring on the guest, Tracy June. Tracy. Hi. Hi. Hi, Tom. Hi, Hi. All right. Hey, Hello, Tracy. Tracy. How are <laughs> you? Fine. Thank oh, you. Oh, Oh yes, and welcome back to the program. It's our it's your third time as a guest. Wow! Thank you. Thank you yes, yes. Me. Oh yes, thank you for being back. Yeah, it's been a, been a while since we had you last time. I think two years have passed since last time we had you. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Oh yes, oh yes. Are uh, you ready for this interview? I am. Definitely, definitely. All right. Now, um, before we get straight to the Q and A, could you tell the people a little bit about you? Not just not just your past and what you know what happened, but just a little bit about who you are right now. And then you know, tell the people a little bit about uh, what got you uh, where you where you were. Okay. Um, right now, I do a bunch of different things. I have I have a uh, a couple of businesses, and I. Um, what I primarily do is I primarily do is hearing rep work for um, providers, coaches, and stuff like that. And I also um, 
of an HR recruiting firm for executive um, executive employees like project managers, software developers, system architects. And I also assist people in getting their degrees. So um, that's probably what I do most of the time. Oh, yes. And I oh, have yes. a... Yeah, I have, I have two adult kids, and I have one 13-year-old. Definitely, definitely. Oh, yes. Now, uh, now you're doing pretty good, you know, after uh, serving your time. We're going to talk about how you, you know, made the transition in a minute. But, uh, but okay. before we get into that, how'd you get there? I mean, I, I I know you talked about that before. Before I, Blacktopia has grown, so you know we were reaching new people now. So uh, I, I tell people how'd you get there? Well, um, when I was going to college, um, my my charge was I had like fifteen counts or something, and it was primarily stemmed from the, from credit card charges back in what's back uh, early two thousand. And as you know, the, the Fed they technically have don't have a statute on high crimes like murder and racketeering and things like that, but they have, and the other ones they typically do, but they really don't. They they can do whatever they want. Um, the state has a statute, and typically they don't pursue cases outside of that five-year period, but they, if they feel that it's necessary, they contact the feds and get them involved because they have the ability to go back to, to um, pursue cases that the state statute out on, out on, and that's where what happened with my case. The state, the state wanted to prosecute me, but they were outside, you know, the statute had already gone by and no, no judge would consider it. So they got the feds involved because it wasn't really a, a, it wasn't really a big, big thing. Um, cause the stat, the state, the feds typically do in, in money crimes and racketeering crimes and things like that on those levels it was a collective effort where there's a mastermind and it was a major player in, in, in a variety of different people, but that wasn't my case. So the, uh, the state went to the feds and they got involved and that's how I ended up uh, with the federal credit card charges, even though it happened almost 10 years prior in a, in a period of about two years. So that's how they got involved. But the state, once the feds opened their case, the state came in and charged me as well as the feds. So that's how, how it ended up. But by then I had already you know, graduated and started working and had done everything. So mm. that's how I ended up there. I got, I ended up getting, and it's, it's been in, I guess it was the 30 months. Um, but basically the whole, the whole process was, the whole sentence was eight, a little under, um, it was a little under 10 years, the total, the total conviction that we were, were able to get it split up into time and probation. And probation is, federal probation is a little different than, then state probation is state probation is that you get probation in lieu of time. Federal probation it can be that, but for the most part, it's what you get after you finish your time. So it, the way they the way it's allocated is a little different. So, but collectively, it was a little bit. It was about ten years total time in in in, in, in custody in some capacity. So yeah, um, mm. only with one charge. So, but that's how they that's how they group that's how they did it. And um, I did. Now, mm-hmm. oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, keep going, keep going. No, okay, I did. 
Uh, how, how was it started? Oh, the whole sorry. process started once I, you know, turned myself in and everything and got the process going. Um, I ended up getting a state charge, and the feds had no issue with me getting bail. They said, okay, yeah, whatever, put on house arrest. So I go into court, and, and I get the bail from the judge, and the states come in, and they take, uh, they file their charges to get custody out of me. So once I got, this was in 2008, so once I got um, in, um, released from federal custody, I got bailed out within a couple of days, I got into state custody. The state took me into custody, and for probably about, probably about, I'd say a year, the feds were fighting with the state to get me back into federal custody because they had, on paper, I wasn't even in custody. I, I was out on bail, but in state custody. But they didn't know that because they didn't know that I wasn't. Well, they do. They knew after a while because my attorney, you know, a federal attorney, was said, "Well, she's in custody, so she can't do anything with her." So that process went on for a year, and in that year, I was in, um, I was moved around maybe about five or six times within the federal. I went to San Diego, MDC, and then I ended up in state custody. So I was in Linwood um, for about ten months. Why they fought it out? Usually, um, Linwood is in LA. It's the LA County jail a uh, jail for women so that process went on so what they so in the meantime the state charging with the case i got uh 16 months on that case so that bounced me into state prison so i ended up in chino twice um Chowchilla once and i before i even got to federal custody so by the time i got into federal custody 16 months had already gone by before I even started my federal sentence. But in the meantime, by the time I got to federal, to, to, to um, in federal custody, actual physical BOP custody, I had already been to um, four, three prisons, three prisons, maybe six or seven, no, no, six county jails. Um, and then I end up in San Bernardino, which is a, a San Bernardino County jail, which is a facility that's contract with the feds. And I sat there for a year until I could go through the fair process. And everybody knows the fair process is super slow. So um, before I even ended up in federal camp in Victorville, my sentence was my in custody time was almost over. I still had to do 30 months in custody time. But I guess in concession, they, they, they um, allowed it to be restructured into probation. But I still stay in BOP custody for the entire almost ten years, like nine nine years, nine three quarter years. But that's what happened, and everything that transpired in the meantime, it's, it wasn't it wasn't typically like a, uh, anybody else who would get a federal charge. You look at like uh, Martha Stewart and all them people who get federal charges, and they just say, okay, I'm gonna get a year and a year and a day is ten months at that time. So say Martha Stewart got sent to a year and a day, she. Say okay, well they tell her you could, you could turn yourself in, in in four months or whatever, and then you do ten months to a camp, um, which is and the level that it goes is there's a there's a prison camp, which is the lowest level, and they're unsecured. Then there's the FCIs one, two, and three for both men and women. So I was never in an FCI. I was always in a camp or a county jail, which is far worse than any any place that the feds can send you. So, but the majority of my time was spent in the county system trying to get through court. So, and that's where everything happened in the county system, not in the prison, in the county system. 
Because when you see on TV, it's nothing like it's nothing like that. But for the most part, that's that was the whole process and how everything how everything transpired. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now here's a lot of a lot of you you answered a lot of the questions I was going to ask. Uh, but before I get back into that, Raven, pass the mic over to you. Yeah. Is there any, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, uh, wow. That's, I mean, that's a testimony in itself, right? So, because what I'm hearing a lot from, um, from you is that there was kind of this, um, Huh. The legal game, right? The politics within the politics, it seems like. And it's like I'm amazed at how much discretion folks in the legal system have. And I, I don't think that people are really aware at that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, literally a judge that shits, eats, breathes the same way that we do you know, mismanages money the same way that we do are in control of these of people's lives like that. And like when you to, to hear to hear you say that, you know, you basically you know I mean you you made some decisions like earlier in life and then you're you're overcoming those decisions like you already did what you needed to do personally to overcome those decisions. And then when you're in the middle of that, living your life, then all of a sudden, because whoever wants to make an example out of this particular case, now you find yourself going through this, these legal steps and systems and whatnot. And I'm just, I'm just amazed. Like, how did you keep? How did you keep yourself? Well, when you, because I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with the process because I hadn't really been through that kind of process before. I wasn't yeah. until I got in there and was talking and talked to people. I had no idea how the process worked, you know, because they were like right. I, just like everybody else. You think it's a certain way based on what you see on TV, and it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. The feds they right. get to you when they get to you. The state the state <laughs> system is more ex- expeditious. You, you can resolve a state case in a matter of two or three court trips. That's not how it happens in the feds. You will go to your pretrial, and it may be another year before you, depending on how many defendants on your case. It may be another year, two years right. until they get you back in the court. It, it's and and when it comes to a lot of times, people assume that it's the judge who controls the flow of the courtroom. It's not. It's the prosecutor's offices. That's who. That's who has the primary discretion, and what they want to do with you, and how they want to do it. Right. You know. Right. The, the judge just he he's just a mechanism for enforcing certain things. He ultimately right. has just like in terms of of, of sentencing. In the federal system, you know, the, 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 you do something called a pre-trial sentencing report where they, the probation, they have an interview you and they talk to you and they do all kinds of stuff. And they come up with this based on your charges or rec- and, and discussions with your attorney, recommendations of what they think you should be sentenced to. Typically, the judge rarely deviates from that. Right. So, so once you're so, in your, in your, your plea. Mm-hmm. No, I'm please, please continue, continue. No, so once, once you're in your plea. Your, why don't you mm-hmm. plea? Say so you, you know, for me, I have 15 charges. My attorney worked it out, so I only pled to the least of all the least of all the charges. You know, it was a, if the charge was a illegal use of an access device. I mean, illegal use of a credit card, like to an ATM that uses FCC wires. That was it. The charge in itself was 
was a six month to um, 24 month charge. But what happened what happened in my situation was because I was in state custody so long, the judge said it. I want to let you go because you didn't have time, but I can't let you go because you didn't come into our custody until X date, which is almost right. two years later. Right. So he had to give me some more time on top of that. So he gave me 30 months to take give me credit for everything since the day I was in custody. Wow. So that's how, how everything – but I got that, that – I still had that, that five years left by the time everything was done. I still had a five-year – you know, once everything was done, I was coming in on year – you know, three, almost year three. Right, right. By the time I got, mm-hmm. by the time I, but, mm-hmm. so that's 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 how it is, and, and you know, it's nothing like what you see on TV. It's not the judge doesn't have that much authority. They don't even take that much authority. In some cases, they do, but for the most part, the prosecutor runs everything in the judicial system, as far as criminal and the criminal courts. And that's what happened in my case. The state attorney, the state prosecutors. Right wanted to prosecute me first because, you know, when it, they wanted full custody. They wanted me to get their case because they knew once I got in fed custody, they wouldn't get anything. Because right, you have, right. Um, they wouldn't get any time. Because if I go in state custody, any time state, the state custody state gives you a charge, if you get a state charge, it all runs concurrent. So technically you're not, you're not doing any additional time. And that's the problem the state had because they knew that. The max they could give me was an X amount of time. And that, I'll, it will run concurrent any of the time that the feds gave me. They wanted me to do some time on their case, so right. they fought my they fought me going into federal custody back into federal custody for an entire year almost. I was going to court every so they probably dragged it weeks. out for a year. Wow. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Tracy, what, what what stands out so so much to me in all of this is your is your resiliency. So. Where did that come from? Like, I, I know people who would have gone through a fraction of what you did and lost it. So mm-hmm. clearly, clearly you had something that kept you, like when you were going through, of course, the entire legal process, and then even when you know you're like in jail, like you're in federal prison, you had to have had something that kept you to maintain yourself within that and then be able to get out and completely switch it all around. You, you see what I'm saying? So I, I just want to know mm-hmm. what that is because that that's resiliency, you know, ma'am. That's, <laughs> that's to be celebrated. Like, how? Like, how did you do that? I, the thing is, when I, when I left, when I left, I mean, this was almost because I had so much time between the time that I was um, – Everything happened to the time that I was um, uh, had to turn myself in. It was like maybe maybe three months, so I had a time to prepare for it, you know, and and, and preparing for it and getting the kids ready and everything. Because at the time I, I was I left, I had a two year old, a seven year old, and a nine year old, you know, and in 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 the in a in a in a perfect world, all the preparation and the and the stuff for it that we that we had done until when I would leave. Then these these components would kick kick in with my kid's dad, so but that didn't happen, that didn't none of that happen, so and but so when I go in custody and I'm moving to these, these different places in the meantime I am in, I'm in contact with nobody, with nobody. Now, I didn't see the kids at all the whole time I was gone. Um, the first time I saw my kids, I saw my son at one point, 
um, when I was in San Marino, but that was like a year later, my friend had bought him to see me. But as far as my youngest, I hadn't, I didn't see her until she was four and a half, five, almost five years old from when she was two. And that was at the halfway house. But other than that, the entire period, I didn't see any of them. I didn't see anybody. I had hardly any communication with anybody. I was essentially there by myself, you know. Um, so what was going on? I mean, did, I, I, the they moved, so and he didn't tell me the address, so I didn't know what the address was. I didn't know I'm writing every day, and nobody's coming to see me. Nobody's sending me any money. So I'm kind of winging it in there and trying to – so I'm writing because I'm moving around so much. I mean, I was probably in – you know, I, once I get in federal custody, I still was in three, three or four more facilities. So altogether, I was maybe moved between about 12 and 15 times from one location to the next. And, and, and sometimes they do that because for security reasons, they do that. I mean, I spent I, – I went to Chowchilla twice. I went to Chino State Prison twice. I went to Chowchilla State Prison twice. twice. And because I was federal property, I had to stay on the lifer yard. So I wasn't able to do program like other people. I couldn't get a job. I couldn't go to school. I couldn't do any of that because I wasn't state property. I was federal property. So they had to keep me somewhere where the, the security risks were higher, as opposed to typically of my kind of case would be just regular general population. I wasn't in general population. You know, I was, I was in, in the highest level. So most of the people that were in there with me in Chachilla were all lifers. You know, they were never going, and, and that's the yard I was on. The first time I was in receiving for eight weeks, and I stayed there until they could figure out what to do with me, and they bounced me back to Chino. Um, and the whole process started over again. I stayed there for four weeks, and then I bounced back to Chowchilla, did an intake for eight weeks, then I got on the yard, on, on the lifer yard, and that's where I spent three months, two or three months, until the federal week, until that time exhausted, and they, the state couldn't hold me anymore. So, and then I ended up being, then, then I went in federal custody, in federal custody, I was in San Bernardino, which is the worst, the worst county facility probably in California. San Bernardino County Jail is the worst, but the feds have a contract, so they keep you um, they keep you in GP, but they have a four or five tanks for just fed inmates. But it's one of the worst facilities probably in the country, and that's where I was for um, – well, well, first I was in Riverside for two months. Then I went to Riverside County Jail, and then I went to, to, to San Bernardino County Jail, and then I went to Kern County Jail, who also have a federal contract. All these people have federal contracts. Um, and finally, I went to Victorville, but that was 20-something months later. So that was a little over two years later. But in the meantime, I had no communication with anybody on a consistent – I may every now and then get somebody on the phone to find out where my kids were because that was my thing. I didn't know where my kids were. Their dad wasn't sending any letters, no pictures, no nothing, nothing. Um, my family really wasn't responsive like that. I had really heard from – no. I'm, I got letters from my daughter because she was 10 and she could write. But outside of that, I got now one letter from a family member. You know, I got up the whole time I was there. I mean, my sister helped me a little bit in the beginning with, with, with sending me stuff. But that was probably the first yeah. two or three months. But after that, it was nothing, yeah. nothing, you know. But so it was it was that. It was, I think it takes a certain type of personality to withstand that kind of thing. You know, going into it, yeah. you have to have a certain yeah. kind of personality. You know, if you're weak, you're not going to survive. You're, you're going to be on meds the whole yeah. time. You know, so if you know those kind of things, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was it was a, it was a lot. It was a lot. But you you know you got to but there's certain things that you 
You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian person and my faith, faith is solid. So that's what I focused on. I focused on what was the most, the one thing I could count on. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and that was, that was what, what I put most of my energy in, into, because that's all I had. I didn't have anything outside of that. But the thing with being in those situations and being around people who have comparable situations, you know, maybe not to the magnitude that I had, but you're dealing with people mm-hmm. who, you know, that's where you, and so you, you generate these bonds with people because of similar experiences. And that's typically where people in the inside draw their strength from other inmates, not the people on outside. It's the other inmates who carry a lot of the weight, you know, carry a lot of the burdens with you. It's, it's nothing on the outside most of the time for most of them because most of them are in the same similar situations. Oh, but, and, and that usually can get you through. And because I was moved so much, you know, my thing right. while I was encountering people was I had to maximize these relationships, you know, and, 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 and develop these friendships that, you know, laterally, you know, we strengthen each other based on these, these, these relationships. But outside of that, you know, that's, that's all you really have. And when you look at it from the aspect of why a lot of people go back to prison after they've been in the prison, and it's a lot of time before these reasons, you know, the stability, right, right, right. the structure, and the relationships you right. develop with people. Right, right, All time. And on the outside, I've heard that. On the outside, people don't, right, they don't see it. They don't see it. Oh, she keep going back to prison. She's going back to prison. But when she's out, when some people are out, you know, and and that's what I what I realized. Like, like, like how long, you, this is like the third time there. And I'm thinking, so first, my first thing was, why do you keep coming back? And as time went by, I could see why. When it was all said and done, mm. I understood why. You know, and you don't know that unless you experience it firsthand. So on the outside, you can be judgmental and say all these things, but you don't understand the strength of some of these relationships that these ladies have with, you know, with, with other inmates and other prisoners. It's just the dynamic right. is different, but it has to be personal. You know, so. Right. And people, but oh, in that, oh, that's yeah. usually yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, I just want to. Oh yeah, I just want to say for all everybody that's listening, you can join in. You can ask Tracy June some questions as well as uh, her, you know, about her experience. We also want to get into, you know, uh, what she did afterwards and any kind of details that you want to ask. You're welcome to do that. Just give us a call at nine two nine four seven seven three seven two and press one. Again, that's 929-477-3872, and press 1. And uh, we're going ahead and bring you on. Uh, excuse me, caller in the 773-553, you're on the air. Who is this? What's up, what's up, what's up? This is your friendly neighborhood, Super Saiyan, in full effect. Yes, yes, <laughs> Nanya. How you doing? Hey, Nanya. Hey, I'm all good, man. How's it going? How's it going? How's it going with you guys? What's up? Hi. I just uh, I just really want to give props to um, give props to Tracy. Your name is Tracy. Uh huh. Mm Mhm. What's your name? Your name Tracy. Tracy. Yes. Yeah. I really, really, really want to give props to you, and my heart goes out to you because who we. Man, um, going through that experience is traumatic. I mean, it could it could it could be completely 
devastating if you're not made of uh, steel or you don't have that resolve. And um, I, I give you much props. You are a strong, powerful woman to endure that and come out with most of your marbles intact because, <laughs> hey, I've seen, I've done time myself, but not as much as you did. I only did like a year and a half. And um, in, the, in the time that I served, I've seen people cave in and crumble. I mean, literally become uh, a shell of their former selves. And um, for you to do the amount of time that you did, and uh, you you came out, you just re revitalized yourself. You haven't been back, and you're doing extremely well. Uh, salute, salute from me to you, straight up. That's that's Thank you're, you so you're much. powerful. You are powerful, very powerful. So, so I, I just wanted to. Just wanted to say that. I mean, I, I like I said, I I did I did Fed time, so it's a completely different story when you're in the Fed house versus the state, which is the county. Um, mm-hmm. but the years, and then the probation trap, because normally you get a lot of probation, which is a trap for you to trip yourself up, and then your ass is right back in there, and um. One thing that they told me, I will never forget this as long as I'm breathing. Before I came home, we was it was right before release, a couple of, uh, well, depending upon when you was getting released, it was two months, two weeks, a few days. It depends. For me at that point, it was, I think, a month or two before my release, and they all had us in the in the room, and they was talking to us. And the one thing that they said, it kind of chilled me to the bone. They said, after, you know, you're going back into society, you're going to reintegrate into society, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The last thing this guy said, most of you will be back. Mm, yep. I will and never forget that, that, that as long as I live. And and that's true. And that's true. And mm-hmm. When I came on the halfway house, I was there with what people had who had done 15, 20, 30, you know, 30 years. You know, they have been in this in the federal system. In the federal system, you know, you know, state system, you do what, 50 percent, 40 percent of your time. Totally different than the state. They yep. do that. You do 85 percent of your, your time. So mm-hmm. if you get if you get 360 months, you're doing 320. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's no there's no concessions on that. So um. But, a lot of the people that come, they become, they they came out of those long-term sentencing unless they have a solid support system, they don't survive it. You know, no, they don't. All they, they know. Your 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 um your CPU get fried up in um in prison because the the dynamic of prison, mm. which at one point uh, was rehabilitation. Now, the prison dynamic is punishment, uh, retribution. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, you can – I, I think – I don't know how it is now, but when I was in there, 
you could get um, the highest level you can attain was an associate's. Uh, you can definitely take up a trade. They still have that in there. You can get your GED or your high school diploma. You can still do that. But from what I was told, like back in the 60s and the 70s, that you can go all the way up to a bachelor's degree. That's what I was told, and everything was accredited. But now they kind of like and trim that down some. And, um, whew, man, like I was in a medium. So I was around, I wasn't necessarily around lifers, but I was around guys that had some time on their, um, on their hands. And by the time some of those dudes was getting out, they still in there, by the way. So by the time they get out, it'd be like the year, like 2035 or 2040 or something like that. And, um, to be honest with you, if you're getting out of prison anytime, from now to going forward, I think you just might as well stay in there because by the time you get out of there, and let's say it's the year 2040, it's going to be virtually impossible to reintegrate into society. So it's, it's you're really stuck between a rock and a hard place with um, being in there and you know, a lot of people, they're not strong, so there's a, there's a revolving door factor. Like, they come out, they out in the real world, can't hack it, so they purposely self-sabotage themselves, and they go right back in because they become miserably comfortable. And prison has actually become shelter for them versus being out in the real world because now they they didn't been in prison so long, their programming has changed to whereas they're more comfortable in prison than being out in the real world. Being out in the real world now has become scary, so they'd rather go back to being miserably comfortable, which is prison, versus being out in the real world. It's a it's a it's a titanic shift mentally and emotionally. If you do like ten years or more. Ooh, but um, again, Tracy, it's structured. I salute, I, I, I salute you. you. I salute you. You are a dynamic woman, and I I really wish that not just females but the guys can like put it together like you did and become productive and integrate into society. Into society, some will, most won't. That's just the ugly reality of it. It is what it is, but for you, I salute you, straight up. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and you're and you're right, and you're right. And and the thing with with, with prison is that you don't have any bills. Your your day is, is set out for you. It's structured. You, know, mm-hmm. it, you never have to wake up and worry about where you're going to eat. You never have to wake up and worry about where you're going to sleep. The health care is free. Your your meals are free. Your 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 um certain things that they give you like state prison when I was in Chowchilla. Um, laundry service is free. When you go wash, you, you, they pick up your work laundry and they wash it. But your personal laundry, you have a laundry facility in your dorm. So you just, and you get all the soap powder and all that stuff for free. You know, those kind of things. And then you have, the, the food is great. The food is great. You have I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far with it. 
well, for 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 us, the thing is that Chowchilla is a, is a teaching is a teaching facility. So they they have a school there that is it's a culinary school. So oh, okay. a, lot of, a lot of students are preparing the meals, and everything is made from scratch. They have a calorie restricted diet. So if you're you got weight issues going in, they're not going to feed you no more than about than 2,100 calories a day. So you may go in there, be you know a certain way, but you're gonna come out with a whole lot better because now your time is structured and your time is yours. California state prison allows you to wear regular clothes. You're not programming like during the week, and you're going to to your classes or you're going to work. Um, and after work hours, I think work hours they cut off about five o'clock. You can put regular clothes on and you order them out of a catalog, like J.C. Penney's or East Bay, and you can wear that stuff as long as it's certain colors you can't wear because it's too similar to the guard. But other than that. You could be on the on the yard and see people walk around in, in their whole Jordan sweatsuits and tennis shoes, you know. And that to me was I didn't know that. A lot of people don't know that. You know, wow, so, so that's um, a lot of a lot of. That's, and, go ahead. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, and, and it's something I was like, okay, well, why are these people just walking around? I was like, well, they're inmates. Well, why do they have regular clothes? But then they have TVs, they have Walkmans, they have you know they, they order their makeup, they. It's it's not it's it's not what you think. They have the best. You, know, you could go in there with no teeth and come out with a whole five thousand dollar you know set of teeth. That's true. Right, you know, That's to, true. To to to, to and your your the medical right. care. I mean, it's decent. You know, and the right. thing is, is that what what and, and and a lot of people don't know they spend more on housing a state inmate, which is about fifty thousand dollars, than they do on providing education for one child. So, right. <laughs> they, right. What people don't know, what people don't know is, well, at least for for women in the, every every place I went, it was not like it was no no really hard conditions. It wasn't. It wasn't hard time. It really wasn't. You know, and and it's like you see these shows. That's 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 not necessarily. That's not even close to the truth. It's set on the state level. You know, you would think okay, it's going to be this and that. No, these the dorms have full exercise rooms. You know, they have full extra. You can have a hot, a hot plate in your in your dorm, in your room. There's things you order, and what they do, they just, they're just clear, you know, and then they see through them, and then you, so they put your name on them, and they, certain things you can have. It's not, it's, it's nothing like what you think, and if, if you think about it, it's most of them are living better than people on the outside because they have no bills, no bills. Yep. They have to shower all day. It, you know, so so those kind of things, and it's for women. It wasn't it wasn't no, you know. And I'm on the I was on the yard with lifers, and these are these are the most calm, collected, you know, people you ever meet. They're respectful of each other. They're calm. They're usually the nice nicest people I've ever met within prison. The nicest people in my entire life I met within these county jails and these prisons. I can honestly say that and, the most talented. The most talented people I've ever met was in prison. I mean, this one guy, he was earning commissary by drawing portraits. And he was from, uh, his name was Terrence. He was from Nebraska. And this guy could literally draw his butt off. And that's how he was earning his commissary because mm-hmm. cats would be like, yo, this is a picture of my girl. Uh, draw a picture or make a card. And that's how he was earning his uh, commissary. One cat was able to sew like nobody's business. I mean, you had guys that was able to cook, I mean, make meals from virtually nothing into something 
and everybody was going for going to them like, man, can you cook us this? Can you cook us that? We somebody is leaving, so we want to throw them a going away party. Can you do this? Can you do that? Mm-hmm. I've seen guys use a microwave just as effectively as they would use an oven. And the stuff that they was making, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you did that with a microwave? Like, how? Like, like guys that cut hair, because we had a barber shop where I was at. Uh, we had a mm-hmm. barber shop, dudes was cutting hair. Um, now, the only thing is, different from Tracy, we didn't have, we had Nikes, but we didn't have Jordans. We had Timberlands, um, but we didn't have, the like, the sweatsuits. We had, like, jeans overalls, Timberlands, uh, Nikes, Adidas, but we didn't have all the other stuff. And um, we had a baseball field, track, um, uh, uh, what's that stuff where you hit the ball through the little thingy? Um, I don't know what that is. Anyway, we had a weight, we had a weight room, we had a weight spot outside behind a basketball court and we had a weight room inside the prison. Now they're, now they're, like, taking the weight rooms out of all the prisons because the guards be getting their little butts whooped. But they had um, the reason why a lot of guys come in, they might come in fat or they come in skinny, but then they leave out swole because you're hitting weights all day and you're eating. Now, in state. Cause I was in county. I was in matter of fact, I was locked up in uh downtown Atlanta. County was rough. County, county was yeah, county, rough. County is the worst. It's it's the worst. It's terrible. And that's what that's yeah, what you were starving like, county. <laughs> right. And 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 they, and they use that. They use the fact that county time is so hard. If if you done sat in the county, you have sat in the county. You've been in the county for a year, year and a half, and and you didn't have enough of that. And you not you know the conditions are so unbearable. It's so unbearable that mm. you're going to take some time so you can get out of there. And that's what I saw a lot of people, a lot of people in there. And if they weren't facing life charges, they would take the first thing going after four or five months being in county jail because they, I was in L.A. County, and the way the, the, the way the guards treated you was inhumane. You stripped shirts constantly. I was in a working dorm, and they would come in there and wake us up 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and make us stand up for two, three hours. You know, they'd be wow. They do their riot practice on the, the women, the women working dorms, Damn. and we still had to go to work. I mean, it was it was really really bad in those in the county system. San Bernardino the same. San Bernardino County had roaches sizes of them, you know, big as your finger. The food had bugs in it. It was a, it, it during the winter during the winter. It was probably about forty five degrees in those cells, and we don't get they didn't. And all you have is a little a little jumpsuit that they give you and some socks and just you don't get sweaters or jackets or none of that. So you're in there and it's that's freezing, right, girl. Freezing. Child. Wow, wow. You know, it, it was it was the dynamic county time is the worst time, and that's why the the, the they use that the fact that county that that people are so in a hurry to get to the prison because the prisons are they're they're nice they're a lot nicer. They're nicer. The whole situation in prison is different. I mean, I can't say I had a bad experience once I got out of the county system. You well, know, it was, hey guys, it, I gotta, it was uh, terrible. I got to wrap it up. Right. So, Tracy, um, you're wonderful. Thank you, for your, thank you for your testimony. It's gym time, so I got somebody out of torture. I mean, a uh, train, so, you know, <laughs> I'll catch up with you yeah. guys next time. But, Tracy, you're wonderful. 
Thank God bless you. Thank you, you so much. You too. Take care. Definitely. Take Thank care. you for calling in. Thank you. Man. You too. Oh, yeah. All right. And if, anybody uh, else, yes, we have... if anyone else wants to call in, this is the time to do that. You can, we are reached outreachable at 929-477-3872. Go ahead and press 1, and that will put you in the speaking queue. Yes, true indeed, true yes. indeed. Um, yes. Now, uh, now, Tracy, I know you uh, <laughs> you talk about the shows and stuff like that, like how there's nothing like that. Uh, uh, is there is there any other uh, major differences that you uh, that you could certainly speak on, like the, how to, how they do it on the show? But then you're like, no, I I experienced it. it ain't nothing, you know. Any any other differences you'd like to point out? Right when you like like the show shows them her in you know in, in a camp, you know a camp is is, is unsecure you know because it, it what the camps do is that they usually there's a woman camp a women's camp which is ungated and you basically you have three counts a day you show up for the count in the meantime they really don't know where you're at or where you go they just know as long as you show up for count then they, they really don't care and it's it's not even manned by uh it's manned by a BOP officer not a not a not a um, a federal officer. There's a federal agent, wow. and federal officers, but then there's a BOP personnel, which is, is not um, an, um, an armed person. So th- those are the people that watch you at the camps. So basically, you know, the, the, the camps, they feed and take care of the um, FCIs. Typically you have, like where I was at in Victorville, I had two FCIs. I was, the camp was in the center of, center of two SP, FCIs. FCI, which is Federal Correction Institution for Men, uh, level one and level two, and a U.S. prison, which houses maximum security, like you know your your terrorists and your, you know those kind of things, it, which is armed, gated, and, and has the ditches and the electrical wire that was next to us. The, the 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 camps they service them like they do their maintenance because mind you the camp employees are trained. When when you get there you're trained to do something. Like we had a Hummer factory that was next door. Um, a lot of the girls were machinists and assembly line workers, and they worked there and have worked there for 10, 15, 20 years, you know, in these facilities. They get a van to take them every morning and a van to bring them back. It's like a regular job. And that's how they made their money. They made 2 or $3 an hour, which is great, you know, there. The way we ate in there, because I worked in the kitchen. The food was made by, you know, you know the food was cooked fresh. The meals were great. We had buffets. We had one guy, one of our the BOP officers in the, in the kitchen, he had a restaurant. So a lot of our food, like our Sunday brunches, which is literally like Sunday brunches, were like pineapple pancakes and full spreads, full spreads. It was, it's nothing like they make it seem like. You ain't that stuff they show you on TV. You're not getting that. Not a federal prison. And she was supposed to be in federal prison. You're getting top-of-the-line meals, soda fountains, salad bars, desserts chicken, you know, is it, you know, stuff that you wouldn't think that they serve in prison. We had a full, we had a track, we had a full workout room, you know, with aerobics, it was a whole, uh, it was a whole building, that was just our athletic building. It had yoga, private little rooms, you can go in and work out, it had weights, it had yoga, we could take yoga classes, we can take knitting classes, we can take any kind of class we wanted to, and you had, there was a contract with the local colleges, both the city colleges and the, you know, some of the, I think it was Capella, you can get as as high as you could go in the system, and it was free. So you can get a master's degree in federal prison. 
you know, um, wherever that comes. Tracy, just to revisit, though, you did say that one of the terms of, one of the conditions in terms of your particular sentencing was that you could not participate in the trainings, in the schooling, correct? No, I I, I could. I could, I could, okay, but not on not on the county level. They don't give you anything on the county level, and that's where most of my there time was. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Right. So by the time I got okay. into the federal okay. system, you know, the, my time was, was was running. So, and and but instead of serving in the additional thirty months, they said, okay, we're going to keep that thirty months. We're going to keep you in BAP custody, but you're going to we're going to allow you to do it in another capacity because it was their era of allowing me to right. go back into the state system. So. So were that was something you my able to participate? Were you able to participate in any of that training, or were you not there long enough to get into that? Because now, because now, now I really really want, okay. okay, yeah. Okay. No, 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 I, I, I know. Start transition. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Right. No. no well, going into into prison, I, I already had a couple of degrees. So when I got there, when I got to camp, it was just basically for me just relaxing time and doing whatever. So I took some some knitting classes and I took a tax class and I took some, you know, I worked out most of the time and I worked in the kitchen. And that's what I did. Okay. You know, I was a kitchen okay. manager and, and I, you know, and other than that, I didn't, I wasn't there long enough to do anything. I was only there four months. So I wasn't really long, there long enough. Because if I had any longer time, I would have went ahead and got a PhD in something or a master's in something that's, or whatever, just something else. But I didn't have that kind of time. So, but a lot of these, so when they, a lot of these, once they get to that point and they come out, because being in that particular type of system is to transition is easier as opposed in the federal system. It's easier to transition from from the federal system into society than it is the state system into society. They're two different dynamics because if you're in a camp or in an FBI, the, the, the way they handle you is completely different. Completely different. That, right. All that on TV where there's all that fight and all that. That's not how things don't happen that way. It happens, but not not that way. You know. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's different. So when you get out, like if I were to stay, if I were to spend all my time at camp, my adjustment would have been, you know, a lot different because of the way that the process is, as opposed to right. state prison. They open the doors, you walk out. They don't have the halfway house system in state prison. They don't have that. So okay. you leave. You you drop you dropped on the streets. Fair prison, you're not. You, you jumped in. You're still in BOP custody, but you're in a halfway house. So that makes wow. the transition. The transition is a lot easier. So typically, okay. federal inmates don't don't um, go back to prison. It's the state inmates okay. who have a tendency to go back to prison a lot. Wow. Okay. Mm. Um, All right. Well, ready to go well, uh, to... I'm sorry, guys. Oh, yes, you're announcing the break. We're about to go ahead and do that. So uh, definitely tell them, tell them, Raven. We are about to head into our 10 o'clock, top of the 10 o'clock hour break. Um, But what I would love to do is when we come back, we kind of transition kind of nicely into kind of like the next steps, right? So I want to know Mm -hmm. how you left. And now here you are thriving. You have your entrepreneurial, you know, endeavors and whatnot, and how you were able to tap back into what you had already been working on prior to going into um, and serving that time. And talk about those things. I want to talk about the life of it all. You know what I mean? Like I feel like mm-hmm. you were able to take the circumstance and completely remix the fuck out of it. 
and that's awesome. Right. right. Um, I really like. I'm really interesting. I, I really, I'm really interested in knowing the next step. So let's really start talking about that transition when you get out when we come back from the ten o'clock break, if you don't mind. No, that's fine. Okay. Definitely. Jay, are, All you, right, Jay, are you in agreement? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what we're going to do you, next. When we return. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard you. Uh, that's, that's what we're going to be doing. When we come back, Blacktopia Roundtable Talk Radio with host Miss Ray, some guy named Jay, and our guest Tracy. So we'll be right back after this break. Turn bitch, be sleeping with fags. What you know about getting 
questions in the visiting room. Gotta take X black. Hope you get it in time. Gotta sit in your palm just to get to her rhyme. And you talking about your life is this, your life is that, your life ain't shit, your life is whack. Man, you listening to the realest nigga. Close your eyes, motherfucker. Tell me you don't feel this nigga. Tell me what's your life like. Mine's is real. Everything signs is still. Tell me what your life like. Mine's is real. Everything signs is still. Tell me what your life like. Mine's is real. Everything signs is still. Tell me what your life like. Mine's like real. Everything signs is still. Tell me what your life like. Mine's is real. Everything signs is still. Nigga, what's your life like? Mine's is real. Everything signs is still. Tell me what your life like. Mine's is real. Everything signs is still. Tell me what your life like. Like, like, mine's like real. Like, like, mine's is real. Oh, yes. It's money to be made out here. Win big at the Lucky Panda. This is some guy named Jay, like I've always been. And I want to let you all know that you can win big money out here at the Lucky Panda Adult Arcade. Located 2610 Clemson Avenue, Charlotte, North Carolina. Right off the plaza. Open seven days a week, days and nights. So come on out. The Lucky Panda has skill games, fish games, and more. Including weekly raffles and drawings. So there are plenty of chances for you to win big money. Lucky Panda also serves free food to the players on Saturdays. So come on out. Again, that's the Lucky Panda. And that's Panda spelled with a 9 instead of a P. Located 2610 Clemson Avenue in Charlotte, North Carolina. Right off the plaza. Come on out and win big. See you there. Hi. I'm actress and cast member on the upcoming audio sketch show, Yesterday Night Tape, Deara Gray. And I just want to tell you a little about the ABC2 Foundation. ABC2, A Better Chance, A Better Community, was founded in 2012 by Mr. Chester Williams to empower young people by providing a life skills program that promotes positive values, healthy habits, and education through community development, culture, and awareness, resulting in real-life power. The World Changers Program is a network of youth working collectively for positive community change. ABC2's signature program, The World Changers, is for young people ages 10 to 24 of various academic levels, demographics, and all those living in Halifax, Warren, Nash, Edgecombe, Wilson, and Northampton counties in North Carolina. So, if you would like to sign up a child or volunteer with the program, just email CEO at abc2nc.org. If you would like to make a donation to the World Changers program provided by the ABC2 Foundation, use the Cash App and send to abc2nc in the spirit of community. Hey everyone, what's up? This is your girl, Christy Knowings from Nickelodeon's All That. I want to give a shout out to Jay and everyone at Blacktopia. All right, welcome to the second half of Blacktopia Roundtable Talk Radio. Tracy, how you doing? I'm fine, thank you, Jay. 
Good, good. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. All right. Um, now, you know, I know we're going to talk about how you uh, bounced back and got back on your feet because, and, and, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty hard for a lot of people to do that. Um, but I want to get into the mindset that, that, that led to it. I know, I know you, uh, well, while you were in prison, did you have any of those ideas or did you, was you planning anything out while you were there? Like, did you have any epiphanies or revelations that made you go, okay, when I'm out step-by-step, this is how I'm going to do it or, or what? Um, well, Outside of what I already know, because at the time I was a, uh, before I went in, I was a hearing rep. So um, I was, now I was in a lot of, uh, I was a hearing rep for workers' comp. So when I went in there, not necessarily on the state level, but once I got to, to federal prison, the, the type of federal inmates are way different than anything that you would experience on the state level. Because when you're dealing with federal inmates, you're dealing with a, a certain kind of mentality. These are, these are, these are your, your masterminds, or the feds wouldn't have them there. And the feds put these people there to keep them from from continually doing what they what they do, because if the feds get a hold of you, you, you're creative enough and you do something significant enough that that disrupts the status quo, and that's when the feds get involved. So you're in there with with people who have done things in banking or real estate or or on a stock market, so it's a whole different level. But these are also people with degrees, successful businesses. That are that are having you know they have multi-million dollar you know situations. They're not just regular people. If you think the the um, Fastow, um, Andy Fastow from from the Enron Seven, these kind of people putting them in prison doesn't take away what they know. They're still geniuses yeah. and they're still masterminds. It's just that they're in prison. And when you're around that kind of mindset, it's almost like you get a whole different set of education. Because you're 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 with these people every day. You're talking to these people. They know things. There's 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 still PhDs. There's still master's degrees. There's still mm-hmm. business owners. There's still CEOs. So I learned a lot of things from a lot of different people while I was there that I that I could apply when I that when I got when I got out. A lot of things that you just don't know when dealing just functioning in your regular life. And so a lot of yeah. ideas that I got from some of these people. That who I became friends with, and the things they're telling me, it's not the legal aspects of what they did. It's what they did. You know, it's what they did for a lot more CEOs. You know, a lot of them had their own businesses. A lot of them were were, were major players in corporations, and some of them were people who had um, during the housing market crash, whatever they were, they were they were wire fraud and, and things like that. But a lot of them were attorneys. Some of them were doctors. You know, so the quality of inmate is completely different. In these situations, so you know, it, it's almost like going to school and learning learning everything you would learn in a master's program in, in a few in a few months, and that's essentially what I did. I collected as much information as I could from these people, and that's what I applied. In addition to what I already knew, I applied a lot of these things to what I should do when I when I got out. Just like a lot of the, one of the one of the girls who I was friends with. She was a federal contractor, and she knew she had a lot of knowledge about certifications and, and the grant process and little things that the regular person wouldn't know, because that was her that was her her industry. So she taught me a lot of things about how how to get all these considerations in the government space that people would not normally get. 
you would never know these things existed unless somebody told you. And typically, even today, nobody really knows a lot of these things. But I took the information that I got, that I was getting from, from the different people that I encountered and applied it to to how to get back into a good space. In addition to all the degrees I end up, because I, I, I help people get a lot of degrees. So, you know, I've gotten over in the last maybe six or seven years, probably close to 15 degrees. So with that, and so when Bo and I first got home, that was one of the things that they would, people close to me while I was in there would tell me to do, do this, do this, do this. Look here for this, look here for that. I didn't know anything about excess postings and how that whole process went. Somebody inside told me that. And when I got out, you know, I'm looking at what she's telling me because I have notes. And she's right, you know, and how much millions of dollars you can make if you can, if you can get into this, this system of excess proceeds and not the tax one that everybody's in. I didn't know there was any other one. But there was a lot of little things that people would tell me that helped me execute when I got out. And and, and that and, and that's where most of the um the knowledge came from. So I just added that to what I already knew and it helped me kind of spin to to separate myself from from working for other people. And that's what I did not right. didn't want to do. You know, I mean, because right. when you come out of prison, you already got a set of things holding against you. You're on probation for forever, so your movement you can't you can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to decide, I'm going to start a business. They're not going for that because technically you're still in, you're still in prison until you're no longer in BOP custody. You're still in prison, and they monitor every single thing you do, every dollar you bring in, especially financial crimes. Every dollar you you, you bring in, you know, you, you got to report. They can come wherever you're at. You gotta be careful who you're in contact with because if the feds will, will come get you. They'll come get you. You're not thinking anything of it. They're not gonna give you a whole lot of warnings. If they tell you don't do something and then you keep doing it and keep doing it or you're not complying, they're just gonna come get you and let the judge deal with it. You know, so your whole mindset coming out of wow. state prison is one way. Your whole mindset coming out of a federal facility is completely different. Completely different. So that's that's what when you, when you when you leave because you kind of got a plan because you got all this information now how to do things the right way to get where you need to go. You know your plans don't really start. You can't execute your your plans fully until you're off out of BOP custody. But in the meantime, you can get prepared to execute plans. You know, learn about corporations and how to how to set up your corporations and the benefits of your corporations and how to leverage things. You learn. Right. I learned a lot of that from other people in prison, not from no education. Because they don't teach you the practical application of some of this stuff. Somebody who does it every day is going to teach you that. And that, and that was, I think, the advantage that I had. So coming out, I, Tracy, I could put these you, things into play. Tracy, are you are you officially off probation now? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, congrats for that. Thanks. Obviously. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. What, what well, is we, the, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jay. Actually, Raven, after you, uh, you asked that question and uh, Tracy answered, we got another caller uh, waiting to get on. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead and bring the caller on. Go bring, you can bring the caller All right. All right, definitely. Caller in the 910. Hold up. Uh-oh. Caller in the nine one zero eight two four. You're on the air. Who is this? 
Hello, hello. This is the Star Baby. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Jay. Hi. This is Rodia. Um, I just wanted Rodia. to shout you guys out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. hey, everybody. Um, I was listening. Hey. <laughs> Y'all so crazy. <laughs> oh, how is everybody doing? Fine. <laughs> doing good. Good, good, good. Okay, so Tracy. Yes. Okay, so Tracy, I was listening to you when you were um talking about how the difference between the levels of um custody, the mentality. Um, I kind of I commend you for being able to go in there and, and use that to your advantage. Um, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do that. They kind of get stuck and don't realize it. I worked in um, a prison for four years, but it wasn't a federal prison. It was a state prison, medium custody. So they had brown clothes. Um, and the things I learned in there for 12 hours a day, you know what I mean, uh, with all men was really, really amazing. So I could imagine some of the stuff you got from where you were at. So I'm just like, wow, I need her in my life. <laughs> um, so I'm, I just, yes, I really, I can imagine because I learned a lot about a man because it is a difference. In, in the state prison, all they knew how to do was flip cigarettes and, and that kind of thing. So we didn't get that level, that Martha Stewart level that you were on, um, that kind of knowledge. So I'm glad that you were able to at least take that from a bad situation and make it your own and now be able to use it to help other people. That is so dope. Um, so I just wanted to commend you for that because I, I, I felt that when you said that. Like, I know she got some good stuff out of them because I was there. <laughs> with us, you know what I mean? From, from that lower level that you were talking about, I saw that from the guys that I was around. They even told me when I was pregnant with my daughter before I even knew it. So it was a lot of little stuff um, that I was able to use now. They, they taught me how to, how to watch better, how to listen better, um, mm-hmm. little stuff like that that I was able to take away. So just the level that you got that information, you, had, you got a whole degree, girl. So kudos to that <laughs> and being able to yes, you. use that to your advantage. Um, so I wish you nothing but the best. And, and when you were ready to pass some of that on, I'm right here. I'm a good listener. Um, I love knowledge. <laughs> so I, I just really can't imagine what you got from that that situation. Um, and being able to use that to your advantage is just really dope. So that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. And 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 the thing that people don't, you know, people have these preconceived ideas about what you become when you're there and what you are when you're there. And it's, 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 it's not what you think. It's not what most people mm-hmm. think because these, these people, there's just like on the state, it's like the, the men, when I was um, in federal prison, the men, they could crochet anything, anything. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing how my, how they are. It was, it seems like they, it allows them to me to, to focus more on their soft skills. So when they come out they're these things, are, they, they apply them to life a little differently than somebody who didn't have that same experience because they can fo- focus on improving themselves from the inside out. It's a more an intrinsic thing as opposed to an extrinsic thing, and that's what they do, and they pay mm-hmm. attention. You know, they pay attention. Exactly. You know, that's, that's one thing that I got really um, that was instilled in me. Watch your surroundings, pay attention, watch everything. When people talk too much, you know, um, about a, or try to really, really make you believe something, it's usually a lie. Just little really good stuff, um, you know, mm-hmm. that I may not have been privy to else otherwise. You know, for those four years, I can really, really write a book. 
about some of the stuff I saw and learned in there. Um, and it's real life. It's a whole other world. So that's I really yes. commend you for being able to yes. do that. And I, think I have one more question. Do you feel like mm-hmm. now, um, you know, this, you know, it is like people, it's not like TV. You know, I will say that it's not like what you, what you see on TV or what you expect. Are you able to go into the prisons and the jails now and, and talk? Do you do that? I don't know if I missed that in the first hour, um, but is that something you would be wanting to do in the future? If you don't already? I, I probably, probably, but, but sometimes when you, when you have a felony, it's hard to get in yeah, those capacities. Yeah. Okay. You, you have to come. So I'd have to come in and, with a, with a church group or something like that, but they typically gotcha. don't, you know, especially on the federal level, especially on the federal level. They're, they're a little more guarded on the federal level than on the state level. But what what I could do, like when I was in the halfway house, and I, and I, when you when you know your advantage, because I hadn't been gone as long as a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. I was able to, to set up programs in the halfway house to help some of the people who haven't gone 10, 15, 20 years that had no touch with reality. No mm-hmm. touch. Right. You know, they compartmentalized everything, and and they were completely absent. Because the thing in federal prison, you 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 don't you don't they don't use the phone. We had we had computers. We had email. We could chat on emails all day. You know, within mm-hmm. our, our time frame. So it's, it's our the access was a little the things that you had access to in federal prison was different. I mean, we have full fledged beauty salons. I got my hair done every two weeks. You know, it, it was just it was just different. It was different. You you feel yeah. more human in federal prison. You know, but in mm-hmm. state prison, the dynamics, you have the same things, but the dynamics is different. The respect level yeah. is different. It so, is. It really is. You know, you, and, and so what I was able to do when I got in the halfway house was take some of the things and, and teach a lot of the stuff that I knew be going, going in, like just something as simple as setting up an email, you know, an outside email account, because a lot of this stuff is done for them inside. You fill on job. Yeah. There's no job applications anymore. They were everything was online. A lot of them weren't familiar with that process, you yeah. know. And and that that was something I was able to to help these to help a lot of them take advantage of the fact that they had no credit. Mm-hmm. You know, walking out of jail for ten years, twenty years, you don't have no credit. You, yeah. You know, so those kind of things, and and helping them understand how that process works, helping them get doing their FAFSA applications, helping them take advantage of the second second chance program. Those are the kind of things that that were needed that that they needed from the second they walk out of the out of the, you know they, they get dropped off there because they didn't have that. Right, you right, know, right. And, and, and even some of the ones and, that are in at the state. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're right. You're right. No, go ahead. That's fine. I was just gonna say the ones at the state level they don't get the opportunity to do that. Um, they're still getting mail callouts and. Um, the pay phone, you know, they don't have the email. In, and some of them are in there for 10, 20, 30 years at the state level. And because they've taken education, mm. how do you, do you think that's a big issue now? How do you feel about that, that they took the education taken, and been able to? But yeah, that's that's a problem. That's a problem because what they what they did was that, that was the only mechanism they had to keep themselves educated. And I think they mm-hmm. did that purposely because, you know, when they come out, they're not no more equipped than they were when they left. I think it stopped yeah, at a GED right. and maybe a training program, but the training programs now are so limited. Before, you can get a paralegal certification in state prison. You can't do that now. And with that paralegal certification, you can walk out the door and be employable. So now mm-hmm. what, I, what I think the system is doing is making them so they, 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 they're almost dependent on the system. So they come out of jail. Now they got the burden of bills, housing. They don't have any work job skills. And that's one thing that people don't understand. What you do in prison is considered job skills. 
you yeah. you work in you're working in the in the kitchen for laundry and forklift and you're doing that your entire fifteen years. You got a fifteen year advantage on somebody who doesn't have that experience, but they don't factor that in there. So no, people they don't have any work experience. In reality, they do, and and that's something that they have to understand that you can, can, can you consider that. But for the most yeah. part, I think. It's made, they made it so that when they come out of prison, they're not equipped to, to, to survive in society. They can't be self-sufficient because they don't think self-sufficiently, and that's what the education mm-hmm. does. It teaches them they have to go to class, they have to do their homework, they have to read, they have to think. Yeah. You know, and, and, and wonder who does that. And they took that from them. So chances are they're going to get out in society and get lost. It's going to be it's going to be too much for them, and they're going to yeah. resort back to the same survival things that they were doing before they went in, so they end up back in. But I think it's designed that way. You know, I that, think it's mm, still, I'm away. not sure. I don't want to I don't want to be quoted, but I I want to say in some states, um, they still have it. I know in North Carolina, there you can't there it's done. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's a big disadvantage because a lot of them would have taken advantage of that and work. I remember where you could get a four year degree. In jail, mm-hmm. um, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's like can. it's really, mm-hmm, it's really a disadvantage. Okay, so I don't want to take up everybody's time. I just really wanted to congratulate you and celebrate you, Tracy. Um, so yay! And Jay, shout Thank you too. out again to my Blacktopia family over there. I love you guys. Um, Jay, you keep doing what you're doing. You rock. I love you so much. Um, <laughs> and and I'm gonna get Thank up you. out of here, and I'm gonna keep listening. So I'm gonna let you have some more callers because you know I talk all night. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, Rodney, definitely. All right, take care. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you, Rodney. Before yeah. you leave, you're welcome to plug the book right quick. Oh, y'all just go to Amazon and um, look up Stars Pen. It's called Wet. It's on Amazon. I think it's on sale for the Prime Day and all of that week stuff at Prime Week. Um, so it's really, really a dope read. Really fun. Read it with your significant other. Um, yeah, go get it. You can get the ebook too. It's a little cheaper. <laughs> But, yay, anybody like to read, go get it. Thanks. Yes, yes. All right, you guys. Y'all have a good night. Take care, you too. All right. Okay, bye. Bye. All right. Anybody else, if you want to, just press 1. If you're streaming from your phone, if you're dialing, if you're uh, on the link or an app or a third-party website, give us a call at 929-477-3872. And press one, and we'll bring you on. We're talking to Tracy about her experiences in prison. Um, and while we're waiting for some other people to raise their hand, Raven, I know you had a question. You know, you had something you say. Um, that last call kind of um, kind of flushed out a lot of stuff between the two of you. So um, that was great. But I think maybe what I want to know is what is the project um, or campaign that you're working on right now that is bringing you, like, the most joy? Because you said at this point you have about several fronts now um, that you, you know, are working on. Um, So first, let's start there. Let's have you flush out again for everyone um, what your – major projects are right now and then I want you to tell me which one is your most favorite 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 favoritist right now um so go ahead tell us about what you're up to now uh, well we're um I'm in the process well we're, we're we're in the process of starting our um our staffing 
agency, which is more on an executive level, which is like project manager, software design, anything project related. So uh, we're doing that, and um, what what I enjoy the most is the the school stuff. I, th I think because I'm constantly learning something different every time I do something. Um, I take I take a program because everybody's degree to do something different. So I may have right. three students with they get a criminal justice degree or oceanography degree or 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 you know an um, HR degree. So that allows me to have access to different industries, to different educations that I would have never wouldn't normally do because this is what mm. I do. Mm -hmm. And 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 that can be you know you you're constantly learning. There's no break in that because I do it hours, five, six, seven hours. So you learn a lot of right. things when you're when you're doing this. Um, at any given time, I could I could have ten, fifteen classes. So that's that's empowering yeah. because you're learning so much and you can take that knowledge and 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 apply it in other areas. So what I learn from certain things, I I. I it helps me to, to branch out into other areas on a personal level. So mm -hmm. I can talk to you about human resources and, and, and open a human resources company because I have a, a couple of HR degrees. You know, I have somebody get right. a couple of HR degrees, so that's what makes the difference. So those kind of things. Those kind of things are which give you more um, – it, 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 it's, more, it's more empowering in it than anything else. Mm -hmm. So it makes, a big, it makes a big difference. There's, there's a lot of things. Anything that you could do, or you don't have to depend, have to go to work, and on somebody else's time, and that's what that's what's important to me. I'm not trying to work for anybody, and I'm not trying to have somebody orchestrate what I'm gonna do in my life next. All facts, you know. So, um, but overall, it's, it's what, a little bit of everything. Yeah, I'm curious to know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. I'm curious to know what you think of some of these current presidential candidates and especially like their platforms on or lack of platforms on, um, you know, the prison system and the um, school, the pipeline, you know, to jail um, idea. Like I feel like that's more of a community kind of based concept and that, Politicians don't really talk about that, but is there any candidate that seems to be kind of sticking out to you in terms of the things that they're saying um, about, you know, the prison system, the legal system, et cetera, right now? I mean, to me, none of them is really saying anything too much, um, but is there anything that you kind of picked up on that you're kind of like, oh, I can pay attention to that? Yeah, outside of, outside of Camilla Harris. I don't think that the way that I view that whole um, process is just when you you could as a candidate you could say whatever you want to say, but once you get in that office, that, that dynamics is different. You can say that you're going to do Absolutely. this and you're going to do that, but that's not how it's going to go because there's a process to it. It's not your sole decision. Um, right. So they so so, I, so with that with that being said, it's, it's none of them really. It's not going to matter what they say now. They can say whatever they want to say now. What do you do when you get yeah. there? But I know that for, for me, I know Camilla Harris, she's familiar with the, 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 the school to prison pipeline. She's familiar with certain dynamics that affect regular people. 
and she understands that like she her focus is more on restorative justice, which is it is a state process and it's a, a local process. But on the set, she understands that you can federally impose certain guidelines that will restrict that uh, school to prison pipeline and make it, um, you know, a, a violation of of, of, a, of a civil right. As it, as it stands right now, that school to prison pipeline starts in as, as young as, as elementary school. And because it's a judicial system, a judicial requirements that comes from the public school, which is state funded, and the state funds are allocated the same as the, the schools as it is the prisons. So, mm, we're, okay. as opposed to the, the juvenile system is more focused on um, um, convicting these kids and giving them prison records and, and, and giving, them, giving them records as juveniles, then restoring them, then, then creating programs that are restorative at the level of the public, of, of junior high and high school and middle school. They don't have that. She, she, that's a program that she wants to put in place to, to stop the first option to be juvenile hall for a lot of these kids, and that is the first option. When right now, as it stands, if, if you're in the sixth grade and, and you're late for school more than four or five times, your case resorts to the juvenile court. And now you have right. a record. You have a juvenile record. Um, right. Simply, right. just as much as you if you were fighting, but you say you you know you, you missed the bus or you walked to school and you're late every single day. That's a truancy. Right. In fact, though, it's and, it's a and if people only standards. knew, if people only knew how much again going back to that term discretion, if people only knew how much discretion folks within the school building have. Like it's literally just a matter of training the teachers to be more restorative practices, more um, de-escalation, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But schools mm-hmm. are so tapped out. <laughs> like, and 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 yeah. I can say that, but at the same time, the schools that are not tapped out, they checked out. Like, this is the part that I can talk to because this is the part I see every day, and. Um, not to mention the um, the the biases on behalf of the teachers that are in the school all the time or are mm-hmm. part of the administration already built in. Like, I really wish that folks, well, maybe not everybody needs to know everything, but <laughs> I really, yeah, I think that those are probably my next steps in terms of, you know, if I stay in education or not, that I'm really going to be working right. on. Kind of the, the right, and what people don't understand is that you got to redlining is 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 a tr- is, is designed to divert fighting. Right. Now, and and Facts. if you live in an inner city, if you live in an inner city, your house value is forty thousand dollars. You're not paying that much tax school taxes, as opposed to if you live in the Beverly Hills and your property taxes, your school tax is twenty thousand dollars. That's that twenty thousand dollars going into the school system to provide your kids with quality education. That's not what we get, and redlining is partially responsible for that, because certain Back. certain school districts are allocated certain money based on these certain demographics. So if you have complex community school district that's only that only has it has a limited budget, but two blocks away you have Torrance, which has a different type of budget. The schools are going to be different. Right. So. So, right. you, so you're in. You have these school districts, and they're the, the public. The, the school districts have these these guidelines that are standardized guidelines, 
five five okay. are late to the truancy across the board. And with right. no discretion, the teachers can't pay because they don't can they can't by the district policies take in consideration why the person was truant. They can't do that. You know, on on some level. Most teachers don't report it because they know that that's what happens. Most teachers won't say anything. If they, you know, they have a student that's coming in late every day because they know the situation, so they keep it within the, in the classroom. Once it gets to a certain level, then it has to be reported to the court, to the juvenile court. Right. And that's when, that, that's when they start putting it, instead of, instead of trying to create programs that are restorative. You know, restorative justice is a, is a big thing in the inner city, but right. it's not enough funding to do it. And if right. they keep a lot of these kids out of the juvenile system before they're, before they're in eighth and ninth grade, they already got four or five juvenile charges. And they really did anything significant but because of the way the system is structured and the way that the, right. the guidelines are and the policies are, it, it's almost on default. And I so just found out before this. They, mm-hmm. Right, exactly, because I just found out this school period that, say, a child um, is kind of, you know, already been labeled that problem child, you know, um, anything that they do now is on their record, Right. I found out mm-hmm. that um, if they do anything criminal, the court, all of those records can come back now in to pro- like to provide this case against yep. this student when they were late because, you know, mom is mom's working three jobs, dad is working, you know what I mean, and maybe just sometimes they can't get on that bus to get there, or they have to walk the long way around because they're trying to avoid certain neighborhoods, et cetera. But mm-hmm. all of that is now being incorporated into now when they're 12, when they're 13, when they're 14, the things that they, you know, were trying, were trying to overcome and deal with when they were in the fourth and fifth grade. I just found mm-hmm. that out this year. Yep. Um, that's simply yeah. because of the demographic, because simply because of demographic. Simply. Simply. And then something else that I think that a lot of people are missing as well, and we've talked about this a couple of times in a couple of different other shows too, is how, you know, yes, folks, we have to be diligent about our voting rights, you know, with all elections, but people are missing the importance of local elections. And I'm not just talking about mayor. I'm not just talking about governor. I'm talking about who's on your common council, who's on your city council, Mm -hmm. Who's on your school education board and what are they standing for? And people, we're missing it. it this, this stuff is systemic. It's set up to be systemic. And we are missing out on some things, too. And, and it's, it's, it's disheartening because even I, you know, even I being part of the education field for a little bit now, um, there's stuff that I just learned this year getting back into um, school age teaching that I didn't, that I didn't even consider at all. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was trying to learn how to navigate higher education for the longest time. And then that didn't work out. So I kind of had to remix some things personally for myself um, in terms of teaching, you know, the, the grade level that I was teaching, but man, I had no clue about the politics yes. at the local level and how that plays a part into all of this pipelining, et cetera, et cetera, right? And it's crazy yep. with the amount of stuff that we are not aware of, you know? And it's not even so much that we're 
we're dumb or that we, you know, are any type of negative connoted thing. It's just that we don't know. And we're purposely not knowing and then we're purposely staying not knowing. And that's what, you Mm -hmm. know, concerns me and, and gets me, you know, which is why, like, your program when you're talking about, you know, the school, college uh, training and education, and then even Chester, um, who is, a, you know, an active member in our group with his ABC stuff, like, I, as much as I can support, I try to support because these things are so important, so, so, so important. So I'm shouting and, 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 out, and, and, Chester. And, and, <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and another thing, that, another thing that, that, that they don't focus on, to keep these 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 kids in to on on the on the side where because it, cause it makes a difference on who they encounter at the middle school and the high school level like, like the simple things like financial aid and things like that going they, most of them by the time they get to high school and they've already been through the juvenile system because you know they they have these policies that say that are guidelines. And, and, it's, and it's a guideline. If these things happen, then they have to refer them to the juvenile system, to the juvenile courts. And then at that point, they're in the system. Once they're in the system, they stay in the system. They could be seven years old. They, they stay in the system, and the process starts from there. So we, this restorative portion of it starts before that, but there's no funding for restorative justice, but there's, there's funding to send them over to the juvenile courts. And, and that happens with, your, like you said, getting the right elected, elected officials in, in the play to make sure that they, they – they, Fight for different different policies for these kids and stuff like that. I mean, it's like the high schools. The high schools don't have any type of college representatives in there as far as like financial aid and to direct them on what to do and what they're entitled to. So by the time they get to that point, they already got issues with with the criminal justice system. So they don't feel like there's anything left for them at that point. So they take another direction. Exactly. You know, as opposed to you go That's, to the city two blocks away. And in Torrance, it's different. They have all those things. They have all those things. Yeah. Right. And and, the, and, and those, then even and to the kind point, of even to the point. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tracy. You finish your statement. No, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And then even to the fact that in the in in some of the um, positions that are created and that are funded, you know, to help with these supposed transitions and bridge programs, who are you hiring for the for these things? You're not even mm-hmm. hiring qualified candidates. Like, they don't even know how to navigate the collegiate bridge. Like, they don't even know about, you know, who they're serving, who their constituents are. You know, you can't – some of these jobs you cannot perform without really understanding the community that you're serving. You have to understand that community to understand the real life, everyday, real shit that people have to encounter – so that you can provide them, again, like we were talking about already, we have to provide them with not just services, but appropriate services. Like, it's got to mm-hmm. make fucking sense. Do you know what I'm saying? And, yeah, and it does. It's amazing to me. And No, it absolutely doesn't. It absolutely does not. And it's so frustrating. Like, this, I can definitely say this academic school year has opened my eyes up to a lot of things, and I don't quite know what I'm going to do with my new knowledge, but I have a feeling that it's going to it's going to manifest into something. I just don't know what yet, but it's just amazing to me the layers and layers of layers of sabotage 
that we, you know, place on, on, on a system that's supposed to be helpful, you know, um, it's amazing. And then freaking Betsy, I mean, ugh, I, I'm sure, or maybe not, I don't know if people are aware that they're um, proposing to make billions of dollars of cuts for the stuff that we do have already. Like, and that already is not enough. <laughs> I mean, it's also not enough just because of the fact that it's not allotted pro- properly, but it's just already not enough, and then they're going to cut even more. And I'm just, and I just, and I just, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. The, the, the reason that they can is that nobody objects mm. to it. Now, if you, if you, if you, right. if you go over to the school system to that, that is red line and you, you got parents who are proactive and they, and they constantly, they're mindful of who's in office, they're mindful of they put in office, they're not doing that. They can, they can cut inner city school um, budgets. They can do that because nobody's going to object to it. Nobody's going to say anything. That's the parent, parents aren't actively involved because they don't believe they have enough power to change that system. That's why they target systems that where people are not active. The inner city schools are the, the easiest target because your your parent involvement is so low. So, so low. they can stop from they 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 can take they can divert those fundings to something else. They can they can pull it from because who's going to say anything? They're just going to assume it's the way it is. As opposed to if you do a, a school that's on the other side of the line, they're not having that. You know, it's like some okay. schools, like, to, like Torrance. Torrance. Torrance School District takes, I think, 8% off the property, charges 8% of, of local taxes. So you talk, uh, so if you've got a, you a $500,000 house, I mean, you're paying thirteen, fourteen $14,000 into the school system. As opposed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. maybe only charge 2%. So that same right. five hundred thousand dollar house is getting a third of a third of that into the system because right. they don't demand it. They don't demand it because most of the people who live in, in, in these 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 areas aren't active in the in the yep. um, the process. You know, and then there's a, there's a right. video called "Racing System" that Vice did a few years ago in 2018, and it, it it's it's a perfect depiction of how the whole process works and how the whole prison the pipeline Thank works you. for these kids. Hmm? Tracy, can you say that that one more time? Because I didn't pick up it, on it, that, and I wanted everyone to. It's HBO Vice. It's, it's the Vice Channel, and mm-hmm. it's called Raised in the System. And Raised um, in the System. Raised in the System, and and it 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 goes through the process, and and the people who are fighting for the and and how the the system systematically has everything yep. laid out. So some of these kids, before they get before they even get to high school. You know, they they can predict that they'll get life sentences and just you know little yeah. charges that typically people wouldn't go to prison for, or they get probation because they already have a record walking into the door. When they're charged right. as an adult at 16 or 17, they already got 20 priors because of the prison the, the school to prison pipeline. Minor priors, a prior is a prior. They don't care how it's categorized; it's still a prior. So on a simple robbery mm-hmm. charge, they're doing 15 years, mm-hmm. and and that and that little mm-hmm. that little um documentary shows how that process goes and some of the kids that, that are, are caught up in this, this cycle and it doesn't change. I mean, it's the same cycle that's been in existence forever, forever, as opposed to you, it'll right. show you where the white schools is different. They have an entire restorative justice program in the, in the, in the, in the, the better funded school. Yeah. So it, it's almost like it's, 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 a, it's systematically designed to make sure yeah. that a certain demographic is, is is filtered into the prison system from early on. Yes. 
and oh yes, and uh, oh yes. Uh, if anybody else also wants to jump in, just press one. We'll bring you on. If you're streaming from a link or an app or a third-party website, give us a call at nine two nine four seven seven three eight seven two, and then press one. Again, 929-477-3872, and press 1. We're talking to Tracy June about uh, how she bounced back from serving time in prison. So, uh, you know, ask her anything. She has an amazing story. Uh, You know, everybody's loving what she's saying, getting a lot of great information. A lot of great things are being said right now, so definitely – you know, join in. Even if you want to just say, hey, Tracy, thank you for, you know, saying what you're saying. Uh, uh, your your story is amazing. Even if you just want to say that, even if you want to give a shout out or a salute, or even if you want to plug something you have of your own, you're welcome to do that as well. So uh, certainly do that. All right, Tracy, I'm going to give the mic back to you. Uh, there you go. Um, I, I just would, for people who have been in the system and, and people who have these felonies, and what I learned a lot about is with people who have been in the county time, especially people who did county time. You know, this this these things can be expunged. You you don't have to live with it forever. I mean, a lot of people who are expunging records for there's no amount to do it. You know, that had been sitting on those things for ten, fifteen, twenty years, right? And had done nothing and, and didn't get didn't get rid of them. You know, so. That's something they could do, and there's also a lot of scholarships out there for for, for reentry reentry scholarships that they can get. I mean, the the, the programs are, are that doesn't exempt you from certain things. You you still can go into college, you still can get degrees, you still you, you have an advantage because of to to some extent because of that. You just like with the cannabis industry, you it's with their new with their new programs. Um, um, it allows people who have who've been negatively impacted by the war on drugs to get first priority um for for some of these businesses. And we're not even taking oh, wow. advantage of that. You're not even taking advantage of it. You know, the social there's 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 social equity programs in all of these. Every state has it. Every county has it when it comes to cannabis and, and to give people opportunities that have been in the system who have felonies who are disadvantaged to get into the into the industry, but we're not doing it. We're not doing it because we just make these assumptions that oh, I got this felony, I can't do this, I can't do that, and that's and that's not true. Coming out the coming out the door, you have certain advantages because if you if you can access those advantages and find out what you can get and find out what's free to you because a lot of the programs that you get when you walk out the door are free. The second chance program sends a lot of people. You send you to college, like trucking school. A lot of guys go to trucking school because that's covering the second chance. It's the second chance thing, and that's a three to four thousand dollar program. That's not covered by any financial aid, but but the, the um, probation departments pay for that because it's funded under the second chance act. You know, you you get people get tax breaks by hiring you, and you can leverage that to get a job. You know, they give that to you walking out the door because you're a felon. And because businesses get tax tax wow. breaks to hire certain demographics, certain felons, felons, you can use that to your advantage when you're going out and doing these, you know, when you when you're talking to people about getting jobs, when you're on your interview. Well, I have this that says that you can get a tax break if you hire me. It's it's like five thousand dollars a year per employee. That's a, that's a lot if you have a small business. 
And those are little things, you know, you, in terms of banking, you know, they, they, they come in and help you get banking. They come and help. Probably 90% of your education is free. You know, and they and they don't understand that. When you walk out the door, you can, if you go in to state prison, you got to get a pardon. Federal prison, they don't even, you can't get rid of it. But if you got 20 local charges that you did county time on, I met girls who had hundreds and hundreds, I mean, hundreds of prostitution charges, hundreds of them, before they ever got sent to prison. So technically, wow. they can have every every single one of those 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 county charges expunged, as if it never happened. You know, and and so when they when they pull their record, it doesn't look as as bad against them. And, and and the psychological effect of that, when they come out, they they feel hopeless because they have all this shit on them. Right. And, and 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 that and that's that's something that nobody encourages them to look at, to 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 do these things. They don't tell you those things. These are things you find out later on that you can do. That's not something that your probation mm-hmm. officer is telling you. That probation officers don't really care. You know, they're not telling you these these things. They send you on these little stupid little job search things, but they don't they don't send you on they don't encourage you to go and get some education and use the fact that you just came out of the system to get certain considerations. You know, and, and, and where your democrat your demo, your demographics where that where that comes if you're living in a city city, you, you redevelopment grants are everywhere. Scholarships are everywhere and these are cash scholarships. You sit in prison. You write letters every day. You're an, an, a, a perf, uh, you know, perfect at writing letters. You're a master at writing letters. There's no different than writing essays for to get a thousand dollar scholarship. You can write a twenty page letter to your boyfriend. You can write a one a two page letter, you know, to the scholarship office and get that little money. But they don't tell you that there's probably over a hundred thousand scholarships specifically people who are reentering in the, in the in the college system. Nobody tells, nobody knows about that. But they're so discouraged when they walk out the door because they have, they they feel that being a right. disadvantage. It is to an extent, but then again, it's not. You have to you have to capitalize on and capitalize on it on on that situation and leverage it as best you can. And you can leverage it in a lot of ways. So where by the time you're no longer in that situation, when you're off of probation and you can get your record expunged, you're now now you're four years in or three years in, and you already got a degree, your certifications, or you're employable. Nobody can. The cities and the cities can't discriminate against you because you have a felon. You can you can challenge that. Neither can the county. You can challenge that if they disqualify you for right. from hiring you solely on the fact that you got a felony. They can't do that. You have a right to be able to be to be employed. And because they're government funded mm. institutions, they have a, they, they can't discriminate you because of that. But they don't. They, you don't know that. So you got these group of people coming out there. They think they're completely hopeless. I got a felony. I'll never amount to nothing. That's not. That's not true. You know, and 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 that's something that people need to understand. You don't count yourself out because of that situation. There's always a way. There's always a way. You just have to you know, find it. You want to just can't just lay back and and give up and, and assume certain things. It takes two minutes to type up your expungement to do your expungement documents, and it, all it is, it's a fillable. It's two pages. It's a request wow. and it's an order. You get a fee waiver, you pay not a dollar, you take it to the courts where your charge is at. It has, gives you four slots, four lines. But if you've got four charges, you put the four charges on one, you do another document, or you amend that document, put every 20 of your charges. 
if you're not on probation and you ain't got any trouble, the judge is going to throw them all out like it not happened, didn't happen. But this is, he'll, he'll expunge them all like it didn't happen. But do you know that? No. No. Nobody knows that. No. <laughs> not even close. Traffic, anything. And then, and, and it's still, and a lot of, just like a lot of these, these places you go, housing. Yeah. When you walk yeah. out, when you come out of the federal system and you had any type of medical condition when you, or the, or the, the prison system, you had any kind of medical condition when you walked out, the day that you walk out the door, you're eligible for Social Security. The day you walk out the door. Because consider being in prison is considered a traumatic event. So you're medically eligible for Social Security. Nobody knows that. So they come out the door, they figure they don't have any money, they don't have a job. And if you it, prison by classification is a traumatic traumatic event, it it causes you know certain type of psychological trauma. That's quantifiable. And you so you go you go to wow. and and you tell me that you, you just came out of prison. You know, you, a psychologist said that you you know you prescribed your med. Are you really need your prescription, or your your or they're automatically going to give it to you. And they'll just send you to a doctor that can verify that you were in prison or whatever, and, and they'll, they'll ask you about your experience. Any psychologist is going to classify wow. it as post-traumatic stress syndrome because prison right. is traumatic. So even if you never work one day or you spent 30 years in prison, if nothing else, that gives you an advantage because that Social Security benefits you get, now it gets you on top of some of these housing right. lists. It gets you on top of some right. of these right. certain type of programs. So that's that's how you leverage your experience. But nobody will tell you yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No. So I, I I had no clue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No clue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Dang, yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of great information. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. For everybody that's listening, you know, this is uh, Tracy June's third appearance on the show. And even though uh, the topic has always remained the same, uh, the, the interviews have always been different. And, and uh, you know, Tracy has 10 years uh, of, of of stuff going on with this to uh, to speak on. So if you go back, if you go on iTunes and search it, or if you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash podcasts on demand, and uh, search for Tracy June. You can listen to the past ones, and they, I mean, hey, it's it's all it's it's it, it, yeah. Each show is 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 very different, you know. Uh, it, it, you can get a lot from it, you know. I know a lot of you may have family members, or or you yourself have been through this. And hey, Tr- Tracy has great information for you all, so definitely check out the previous shows as well. And uh, Tracy, definitely thank you for being on again. Uh, we we really appreciate it. Uh, we got about five minutes left. Is there anything? Uh, well, actually, Tracy, before you close out with that, Raven, is there anything you anything else you would like to say? Anything you want to? No, um, I just wanted to uh, ensure because I know that you started the string earlier in the Facebook group um, about having people to share their experiences um, is serving time. So I just made sure that I dropped our um, demand link in there just so that folks can go back and listen to the replay. Um, this, was just, this is an important show, and so I'm really happy that we um, did it and you delved into it. Um, Tracy, you have been a well of knowledge and provided a wealth of knowledge, so I, I totally appreciate 
um, you and your grit and your resilience um, and just your story. So thank you so much for, you know, being willing to share because I know that sometimes, you know, things happen to us and because of how we decide to um, internalize it, um, we don't necessarily share our experiences to help others because we're still dealing with it literally ourselves. So I just appreciate and celebrate the fact that you were able to flush that out um, as, as well as you have and get back out there and stay sane in your brain and then now are also helping others by disseminating information. Um, and then in a very real way, your entrepreneur, you know, spirit and helping in that regard, I just, I just celebrate you. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you really. Yeah. I mean, if, they, if, if somebody's not certain of what to do, they can always just message me online on Facebook and, and I can tell them. And, you know, there's, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of programs out there that, that right. they have family members or whatever. And, and they're coming out. And if you have a family member that's on their way out, get them ready. You know, get them ready. So they're not right. doing that because it's, it's, it's traumatic when they come out enough, you know. And so it's important to yeah. help best you can because financial financial support is great, but it, it's not what they need all the time. It, it's, you know, it's exactly. the main thing they need is to be, be self-sufficient. And, and directing them, getting them somewhere that makes them feel human and like they have value is more important than a lot of the other stuff because eventually that'll, that'll run out. But, you know, that, that self-empowerment won't ever run out. So okay. that, that's one of the things that's taking else. care it's of our ready. mental health. Yeah, definitely taking mm-hmm. care of our mental health. I mean, heck, we all need that level layer of support. So, you know, um, when you were talking about that level of support, I was really just kind of in tune with what you were saying, um, you know, that they can be, you know, receiving counseling, um, you know, and that's so, 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 so important. So, yeah. Right, right. right. Thank you. You're welcome. No problem. Thank you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Tracy, is there one, any one last thing you want to leave us with before we close out? Um. No, not really. Just, just do, do your do your homework when you when you're not certain of something. Ask somebody. Somebody always knows. You know. Pick your access the resources that you have access to, and don't assume that it's not there. A lot of people go based on assumptions that they can't do something. That's that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. The system's not designed for you mm-hmm. to succeed, and it's not as hard as you think. Just, you have to decide if that's what you, that you, what you want to do, and you have to change your perception of your, of what happened to you. You, know, you can't can't stay oh, in the yes. place of what you were. Facts. And oh, that, yes. That's that's a word right there. there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, true indeed, true indeed. All right, definitely, Tracy. We appreciate we appreciate having you on. Um, Oh, yes. Uh, you can also check out the previous appearances of Tracy June by going to iTunes, and, and you can even search Tracy June or Trace Black, tra- excuse me, uh, <laughs> uh, search Blacktopia, or you can go to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash podcasts on demand. 
and uh, and search for it and download it. Check them out. They're all great episodes. Uh, all right. That's it. You've been listening to Blacktopia Presents Roundtable Talk Radio with Miss Ray and some guy named Jay. Again, thank you, Tracy June. And uh, you everyone so else, uh, you don't have to go home. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Thank you, sir. You thank to, you, guys. You don't have to go home, but you got to get off this thing. All right. Good night. <laughs> All right. Good night. Good night, Take Blacktopia. Care. All right. Good night. Take care, you guys. Thank you, Jay. Thanks, Raven. Thank you, Tracy, oh, yes. so welcome. much. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.